The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. to another episode of The Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest-running tech podcast. This is episode 168 for Monday, the 28th of May, 2012. My name is Edwin Herman, and joining me over Skype, first of all, is Ben Sunko. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Ed. And how are you this week? Oh, not too bad. A little bit sick, but not too bad. Oh, no, a bit under the weather. Yeah, just a little bit. Chicken soup, Panadol, all that? Uh, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, throat lozenges? Just sleep, juice, yeah, fruit. Oh, yeah, sleep, sleep, sleep's another good thing. Yeah, sleep helps. Okay, so looking ahead at some of the stories in this week's episode, IBM allows the iPhone, but not Siri. DVD encryption cracking may be allowed, and Facebook shares, we'll see what they're doing. But first of all, oh sorry, all that and more in just a second, but first of all we're going to kick off this episode with the brand new app from Countdown Supermarkets, and to talk about that with us, we do have Shelley Fuller, the National Customer Engagement Manager for Progressive Enterprises. Welcome to the show, Shelley. Thank you very much. It's good to have you on board, and thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. No now, problem. Most people in New Zealand, I'm sure, are aware now that Countdown has released a smartphone app. What's the name of the app, first of all? Yeah. Uh, we're calling it the Countdown Shopping App. Countdown Shopping App. Cool. Nice and simple, yep. straightforward, makes <laughs> sense. All right. So for those listeners outside of New Zealand, Countdown is a supermarket chain here in New Zealand. Has roughly how much percent of the market there, Shelley? Oh, about 45%. About 45% yeah, of the market, about, right. Yeah, and about 160 stores. 160 stores nationwide for a yeah. uh, for New Zealand. That's actually, yeah, that's a, obviously a very, very good market penetration there. So, yeah. now, look, I've shopped at Countdown a lot. In fact, my wife has shopped there even a lot more than me because <laughs> she doesn't take me because I usually... Spend too much. Spend too much, yes, that's right. All these little side <laughs> things. Oh, there's chocolate bar here and a packet of chips here. So anyway, you've released an app, uh, a smartphone app. It's available at the moment for iPhone, I understand? Yes, um, iPhone launched on the 11th of May, and then we've got Android coming Monday the 28th of May, so today. Right, okay. Now, what's interesting, now, obviously your supermarkets are very progressive because you were, the, I believe, were the first in the country to offer online shopping, right? Yes, yeah, a long, long time ago now too. Yes, so. yes, it's a long time. I know a lot of people using that. Yeah. So this app, can you t- talk to us about this app? Because right now I'm kind of thinking you've got online shopping. What more could you need? What, what does the app offer? So the app allows people to create shopping lists, um, sort these lists by aisle of a store. So that will save time going back and forth around the supermarket show you where um, products are. It has recipes. Um, you can look at res- look up recipes and add those items to your lists. You can check out your one card points balance and targeted relevant my specials. It's got weekly mailer specials. You can find your nearest store by GPRS locator. And of course, um, we'll, we can um, give you the ability to buy online. So yeah, there's heaps on there. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about, that's a lot of things. Now, I can, now, now it's making sense. So how do, how do you create lists? How does that work? I understand it's quite a smart way that, that you can build your shopping list. 
Yep. So you can um, go through the product finder and find, so search for milk. It lists all the milk and you choose whichever one you want, add it to your list. You can also scan barcodes of products. So say you're out and about or you've used something up at home, just scan the barcode and that will allow you to add that product to your list as well. Mm-hmm. It will tell you if it's available in your store. Then you sort those lists. You can you can save multiple lists. You can sort those lists by the aisle of your store and also send those lists to other people who may um, be more may, might be more convenient for them to get to the supermarket. So that you know thing that your wife or um, partner's forgotten or going to the supermarket, you can send them a list. That is now uh, that is useful because you you know what the number of times my wife's gone off to the supermarket and I've remembered something I've just texted her oh don't forget such and such and she's already at the yep. checkouts and she has to go back in um, yep. by the time I finished you know thumbing it in. Oh, that's great! And I like I really what I really like about that is the ability to scan barcodes. That is yeah, smart. Right. Is that with the phone camera? Yes, we are. Well, there's an inbuilt scanner into the app, um, but yes, it's using the camera that your phone's got. Um, that's awesome. That's yeah, so th- cool. Yeah, that is very well thought out. Yeah, people, people love it. They have a yeah, yeah. Have, a, have a great time playing with it. <laughs> you know what? I've made this well known on this podcast that I don't have a smartphone. I'm probably the last person on the in the, on the planet not to have a smartphone. With this app, from what you've told me here, I, I think I want to get a smartphone just for the Countdown app. I'm going to be scanning these barcodes in. And, I mean, look, it's, you know what? When I used to do most of the shopping years ago, you know, I used to have this very, very organized way. I had a little whiteboard and I would actually manually write down, because I remembered the layout of my local supermarket. So I used to manually write down the items I need as they as I finish a product, as I run out of macaroni or something, I'll write that yeah. down and I'll put it in the list in, in order for that store so I can do an up, down, up, down, up, down sort of pattern through the store. I think this app would, would have saved me a lot of time. It will, yep. So you said you can sort the list in the order of the store just like I was saying I you know did manually years ago. How do you know how the store's organized? Does, that, does it do it for you or do you have to... Does no, it does work? it for you. Um, it's all set up in the app. We've got obviously planograms for all the stores. So then based on you selecting your preferred store or the store you want that list to be sorted for, um, we have that information in the back in the back end of the app. So yeah, by planogram basically. I mean obviously stores are different uh, layout based on the size of the store and the range. Um, so it makes it very easy for people if you're away for a holiday or whatever and have to do some shopping to sort it by that closest store and there oh, you go. Yeah, now actually, that is a very good point. The number of times I've been in a supermarket in a place I'm not familiar with or I've just further afield from where I normally go and it's slightly different and you get lost and it really throws you. So Yeah, no, where's the that's butter? Where's yeah, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is I could say for me, I could choose the Crofton Down supermarket here in Wellington and mm-hmm. I could sort the list according to that. I just push a button and it does it for me because it knows how Crofton Downs is laid out, correct? Yep, so when you go to sort your list, it will say by aisle, uh, reverse aisle, or what, however you want it, want it to be laid out, and it will go aisle one, whatever the products are in aisle one, two, three, four, et cetera, and um, go from there. Great. Can you view the layout that for the actual supermarket? Like, is there any way to view the schematic or something for it? No, no, no. That would be cool. <laughs> you could actually see well, see the layout. Yeah, and I mean, these are the things from a kind of moving forward. It's the feedback and things that people are telling us. We, there will be new releases and there will be enhancements. So things like that, definitely, we, you know, as people tell us that's what they want, we'll look at them. Mm, it seems like a, I mean, it seems like a great app. It seems like it's sort of a lot of things. 
Yeah, but then someone will say, what about this? And you'll go, why did we think of that? It's never ending. Yeah, it's never ending, is it? I mean, you can always improve it. There's always something that you can you can add. But the way I see it is that you've got the key features right and made easy. That's the way it sounds to me. Well, that's what it is. It's about helping people shop, making life easier for them, you know, with something that can be a chore. So, Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, actually, that's the other thing. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Who really enjoys going grocery shopping? You know, I mean, unless you're, unless you're getting a few treats and so on, you know, it is a bit of a chore. So at least with this, it just makes it so much simpler. Yeah. Another thing that would be awesome would be to get like a – an estimated shopping person count of the supermarket at that time. So you could be sitting at home and go, Ooh, oh, I wonder how big the supermarket is. And it gives you a rough estimate of how many people there are there. Actually, yeah. that is fantastic. That's that a great awesome idea. as well. That's a good idea, yeah. Avoid it when it's too busy or, yeah, whatever yeah. However you want to work. Yeah, okay. Like, oh, it's quiet. Oh, I'll pop down now. Actually, that's yeah. a great idea, yeah. So what was interesting is you, you said, going back to the sorting of the lists, from what you've said, that implies that different countdown supermarkets have a slightly different layout. Is Why don't they just use a standard one over the whole country? Is there a reason for that or is it, is it just different the way it size, is? Different sizes of stores. So some stores may have a lot bigger range than others. The way that some stores are laid out, so sometimes you might find alcohol nearer the front, but then some stores it's nearer the back. Um, sometimes it's just the way things have been set up. Um, you know, obviously we've created a whole lot of new stores that were Woolworths and Food Town. So, um, you know, it costs money to change everything. Uh, so right, we obviously, yeah. we were, you know, you know, sometimes we're stuck with things that we have to um, ongoing change at a later stage. But um, we do want our stores to, within reason, have the same kind of flow so people do find it easier to find things. Right, okay, that makes sense. Now, the recipe side of things, how does that work? Do I punch in some ingredients and what can I make or am I browsing categories? What am I doing? Yeah, browsing categories, so main meals, desserts, dips, whatever you whatever you like. So we've loaded these recipes up into the app. Then you can choose the products that you um, want to add. It has methods to how to cook the, the meal as well. So you can use your phone when you're actually cooking that recipe. It has cooking time, preparation time, things like um, you can add, so say you don't need milk and you don't need butter, but you do need you know, more specialised things, you can just add those items to your list. It puts them at the bottom of your list for that recipe. So, yeah. All right. There's over, so, over 100 recipes at the moment, but we will keep adding them. How many did you say? Over? Over 100. Over 100. Wow. Yep. So if I understood correctly, the ingredients you can add to your list. So if I want, I can look at a recipe now and go, right, I'm going to make that for dinner tonight. I can add it to my list. I can go shopping in the afternoon and those items will be on my list and I can, I can even sort that by the store, buy the ingredients, come home and follow the recipe. Yep. Fantastic. Oh, this is how I'm going to score brownie points with my wife. I'm going to get this and do it. Yeah. Oh, that, that's really, really good. Now, do you have to, to use the app, do you have to be a one card member? Do you have to sign up? Do you have to log in? How does, how does that work? No, you can use the app without signing in with your one card, but there is part of the app that for you to see your one card points and to get your targeted specials for the week, you do need to log in with your one card. But no, you don't need to use the barcode scanner, the list, all the other great features. You don't need to use log uh, in with your one card. Okay, yeah. and, uh, right, because... I was talking to someone who uh, who trialled the app and they obviously gave me the wrong information. They said, oh, it looks like you, you only can use the app if you sign in. You, you've just said that's not true. At least no. f- for the main functionality, like you said, adding stuff to your list by scanning or, or manually, sorting it and uh, doing your shopping, you don't actually need. Finding a store, all you're that finding kind of store. stuff. Right, okay. Yeah. And that, that makes sense. That's a lot, because I, I did think that, that would really be sort of, 
creating artificial barriers to using this app. Well, yeah, and it's about being on the go. So people don't want to have to be thinking of, you know, usernames and passwords and things if they just want to find a store or know if the product they buy is on special that week or add something to their list. Yeah, it's about making it easier for people. So, How was this first thought of what, you know, did someone one day, you know, in a board meeting said, Right, we need an app. It needs to do this. Or, or was this something that sort of grew organically? We ask people all the time, um, from especially from a digital point of view, you know, what what do they want or, you know, how would, how could we help them? As an organisation, we're very we're big on being innovative. And obviously mobile is where it's at at the moment. You know, one of our kind of core principles is, you know, give people what they want, where they want and how they want it. And if they want it on a phone, how can we, you know, to do that for them? So, yeah, it's about asking people what they want and trying to deliver it. So we're always thinking of what's the next kind of thing. Right. And is this quite common overseas as well? Do you know what the overseas markets are doing in terms of shopping apps? Yeah, yes. A lot of the big supermarkets do have apps like this. So the Tesco's um, and I'm pretty sure Waitrose or Sainsbury's have as well. So, yeah, it's quite, it's, it is a big, big thing. And what is the feedback like so far? And I understand it's you've had quite a good uptake in just the first few weeks that it's been out. Yep. So we've had um, about thirty-eight thousand downloads of the of the iPhone version. Obviously, Android will hopefully bump us up even further. Our feedback overall is great. People are just you know love it. So 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 happy. Um, you know, people are telling us a few things that they um enhancements that they would like. So we um you know are, are taking on that feedback, and that's what we will look at doing. You know, for our for our new releases and enhancements is great. what people actually say. They're the ones with the insight. You know, and the usability. They can actually tell us what we're missing or could develop so we've got had some quite good ideas so far oh great it's good to know that you're you're quite open to that sort of stuff because you know time and time again you kind of you see organizations bring out products bring out new services new solutions and that's it it's a it's a closed solution you know there's no feedback people can't suggest new things and it it almost stagnates really because they're not listening to customers it sounds like you've actually understood that your organization has understood that it's the the users that really will be driving the the if you like the requirements for for, for yep, your app definitely mm. definitely yeah are you allowed to tell us who the development partner was or is that a sort of a commercial secret no 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 that's fine um tiger spike so there we've dealt with the their Australian office in Sydney um so tiger spike are the ones who developed the app um they're a worldwide company and they do this they they build apps all the time so definitely experts in the field and that working mainly with our internal IT teams around the data feeds and the processing and that kind of stuff but yeah tiger spike they've been really good is it safe to assume that the android version and the iphone version will have the exact same functionality um a few little um idiosyncrasies in the way that you can um you know share lists and things are different just because you uh, on the android have different buttons etc but no the functionality is the same so the, the key functionality is the same, but the way you may do certain things is a bit different based on the way those phones are used. Okay, yeah. well that's fine. That's to be expected. But the, so so the main functionality, you know, you can still you can still send a list to someone. Just the way you go about it will be slightly different, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's good. And I take it, uh, you know, we've talked about other ideas and feedback, and in fact, Ben and I have come up with a couple of su- suggestions of our yeah. own. I've know, written them down. Uh, good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we'll look out to see if they uh, make it to the next few versions mm. in due course. But um, are you allowed to tell us a sneak preview of anything else that you've got coming up or is that going to be very tightly kept under wraps? 
Oh, no, I mean, you know, things like um, more thinking of lists. So, um, you know, at the moment, sending lists to people, but how could if you have a few lists at the same time, so you kind of link lists, and as you add, they go on to other people's lists. So, you know, more kind of development of that. Um, a lot of people are asking about nutritional information. So, oh, um, yes. So, you know, you know, maybe delving into more that kind of nutritional side. We have got within the app some health and wellness categories. So if you're gluten-free and um, things like that. So definitely the development of those areas, which are becoming a lot more important to people. So, yeah, I just think there's, you know, more, more interactive recipes potentially. So things like if I want to add a recipe, my favorite recipe, why can't I add that to the app? So it's within the app. If oh, it's I not see. one of yeah. ours, selecting more than one store. At the moment, you have one store as your preferred store. You know, the potential to have more than one store. Right. So, yeah. so there's going to be a, a lot more coming out over the next month, a few months and the few, uh, next few years and so on. Yes, definitely. Right. Yeah. And is there any uh, likelihood, at least on the iPhone platform, to, to use iCloud to sync between, say, your desktop and other computers, for the, at least for the list building, for example. So I might be sitting down right now in front of my computer going, oh, I need to buy such and such, sync it through iCloud. Through iPads. Um, yes, there is, they're looking at it. Um, I can't tell you when, or, sure. um, but, okay. but yeah, it's definitely cool. on the cards. Yeah. Now, now somewhere you must have, or uh, you know, your organization must have a huge database of information, like uh, presumably the recipes themselves, obviously, but also the layout for each and every store in the country. Is that, yep. where is that, is that, do you have your own data center or are you leasing space? How does that work? Yeah, well, in our, at, um, at head office and um, with Woolworths in Australia, we've got planograms for all our stores. So we know the store layouts. We've got um, obviously pricing information. So all these things, there's nothing different coming down to the app that we don't currently have. So that's, it, it's using data sources that we've currently got and that we use for other things within the business. Do you record stock levels as well? Not currently on the app, no. Um, oh, no, but sorry, but in your, in your own data, behind the scenes? Uh, within stores, yes, yeah. But within the app, you can't tell whether – well, actually, that's an interesting point. Within the app, you can't tell whether a store has run out of something. No, no, well, not, that, not that's, at this stage. Right, that's, well, that's pretty rare, though, isn't it? Because they, they're usually pretty good at stocking up. Well, except, yeah, for, I mean, except for Marmite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have a bit of a problem with that one. Um, no, I mean, it's a, it, it's a big piece of work for us. You know, you're talking such big quantities of some product. Yeah, so, but definitely that's something, again, that people are asking for, mm. for us to say it's in stock in your store, so. Now, you know, you look at this app from the user point of view and you think, this is great, it's wonderful, it's fantastic. But what people don't realise, and unless they've worked in IT, is the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes. Now, you know, it just even what I last mentioned, which is, you know, store inventory levels, you know, has my preferred store run out of whatever the product is? You know, to do that, you have to integrate multiple systems. That's a huge amount of work. Mm. I mean, it's a big thing that we're doing, you know, with internally is, is trying to tidy up a whole, you know, we're a big business and there's so many data feeds from a whole load of different places. And that's why it's very important that we use systems we've got and we're not creating new ones, you know, to support this. And that's kind of one of the key things is, is using what we've got. Which makes a lot of sense, I think. Mm. And how long has this been in, in the making? I mean, presumably there's been a lot of planning yeah, I mean, kind of the first big meetings for us was at the end of last year. We decided we were going, so it's been pretty quick oh, turnaround. That is very mm. quick. I was expecting mm. something like 18 months. I thought you were going to tell me about 18 months. No, no, pretty quick turnaround. Wow. 
Wow, okay. <laughs> is that because you want to get in there first before the opposition? <laughs> oh, of course, no. <laughs> oh, that's really quick, actually. That's, that's really good. Now, Shelley, I understand that Countdown Supermarkets are owned by Woolworths Australia. I understand they have an app as well. Is that similar to what you've produced? Yep, yep. So um, we've used a bit of the functionality and our data feeds are the same here. We're working towards being the same as what how Woolworths um, use their data. So yeah, that we've got some actual good synchronisation between the apps, which is good for us moving forward. So you used uh, reuse some sort of technologies or reuse some, if you like, some knowledge? Yes, definitely. Yeah, right. and they launched before us, so we, um, yeah, they made some mistakes that we could then not make. Ah, so right. Yes, yeah, so you learned from those. They were very good, but yeah, you let someone go first to be the guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. All right, look, I, I wish you all the very best with that app. And I tell you what, you know, you said for iPhone alone, you're currently sitting at thirty-eight thousand. It's growing. You're bringing yeah. out Android this week, uh, yeah. and that's going to grow that even further. So we'll keep an eye out on those figures um, over the next few weeks. It'll be interesting to see where they go. Great. And if anyone wants to give us feedback, yeah, definitely open to hearing how people are um, feeling about it. Well, actually, that's a good point. What's the best way of doing that? Is there an in-app feedback thing or do we go to the... Yes, within the app, within the app is a, um, yeah, you can send feedback through the app and that comes through to our customer service centre and then we are compiling them all together. Wonderful. Excellent. So I think our listeners will be very happy with that. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm sure you will be too to receive the, you know, all the feedback. So, you know, what you, I guess what your next expansion or next new um, edition is going to be. Yep. All right, Shelley Fuller, National Customer Engagement Manager from Progressive Enterprises. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us about this. It's been a very interesting lesson, actually, for me, if anything. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. All right, you're welcome. Thank you very much. And uh, okay. well, I'll, I'm going to have to talk to my wife about getting that smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It'll be the first app I buy. All right, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Right, so that's the uh, the iPhone and Android app from Countdown Supermarkets. Fantastic! I, th- I think it just uh, is a really, really smart move. And look, where is this leaving? I don't know. I didn't want to say this in front of Shelley, but where is this going to leave New World? They haven't even got online shopping yet. Oh, haven't they? Oh no. No, no, it doesn't seem like they do. So I don't know what's going on at New World, but uh, anyway, there you go. Now on to other stories this week. IBM has an interesting policy. If you work at IBM, you're allowed to use your iPhone. You can connect it to the IBM network, but you're not allowed to use Siri. What, what, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. I know. I wondered that too. So I asked myself the same question. Why? Well, the reason is, is because what you ask Siri is sent to Apple and it's stored at Apple. So uh-huh. I guess what IBM's worried about is that, you know, people might be asking Siri questions that might be of a commercially sensitive nature. And, of course, they're stored at Apple headquarters, well, at Apple, you know, the data center. And, of course, they do that because, you know, the ongoing improvements of Siri, you know, the the speech recognition and and all and data matching and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And IBM's worried about that, which is interesting. But, you know what? They don't ban their employees from using Google. And all the Google searches are also stored that's, at Google. That's a really, really interesting idea that I've never thought about. That Google, I mean, we all know that Google has ridiculous amounts of information about everyone that you don't even know about. But I've never thought about them actually directing that into an individual company and figuring out what's being asked by their employees. That's very interesting. Yeah, you can just imagine. I mean, the amount of, in fact, to be honest, I I think Google searches would be, if you like, more telling of an organization's, uh, you know, activities than Siri questions. Well, there's the first thing that came to mind when you when you said why they're banning it. It's like, oh my god, what about Google? 
podcast. Right. I mean, are we gonna are we gonna start seeing proxied search engines like where a company will set up basically their own search engine that you have to go to or all Google requests are filtered to, and then that search engine filters the requests that are going out, data mining it, checking it to make sure that nothing's being searched for that they don't want searched for. Well, you know, there could be a market for that. I think. Mm, and, Having said that, Google now are anonymizing the search data after nine months. So the first nine months, you can they can see where it's come from, and after that, it's anonymized. So they, you know, it, it's kept but not tied to IPs or or anything that will identify the the organization. Sure. But, but still, you know, if you're a company that has, uh, you know, a lot of trade secrets, very important ones, and you're very concerned about them, and you really want to have a, you've got a very low appetite for risk then, you know, you really wouldn't want to be just using Google at all, would you? Or any search engine for that matter, because they're probably all the same. Plus, you know, you know that, I mean, if, like, sure, they randomize all the data, but if they're interested in a company, they're not going to randomize that data. Like, I mean, they well, know yeah. exactly who the company are. I mean, if they've got direct competition, you know, wh- why wouldn't they collect all that information? They have, they have so much information at their fingertips. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even what about the government? I mean, they well, potentially have blackmailable information against the government. Yeah, now, the, having said that, would the government be interested in commercially sensitive information, do you think? If it sort of leaves politicians open for blackmail or, you know, sort of, yeah. That, oh, okay, so not for the sake, right, so not, not to obviously get a competitive advantage, which is what you would have in the case of a competitor, but I see if, if, the, if it's coming out for other reasons... Yeah, I yeah, mean, you well, could yeah. get information to, you know, like maybe get early market changes or law change information or what they're researching, what areas they're looking at targeting, as well as, yeah, breaching individual personal privacy and finding finding out what individual people within the government are actually doing. It's, it's, it's a very interesting um, topic. Mm. Well, you know, there you go. We've just learned that Siri, and it's in the license as well, Apple make it very clear that uh, what you ask Siri will be sent to Apple and will be kept for, I don't know how, how long actually, but uh, will be sent to Apple and stored there. So certain companies don't like that. IBM's obviously come out and said, no, nope, you can't use Siri on our staff network. There you go. Although, what about Sorry. if you're connected via 3G? Yeah, well, uh, actually, that's a point. In theory, I guess, if you connect device 3G, they can't really, well, they can tell where it's coming from, but they don't know who, what organization, because... Yeah. I don't know what sort of geolocating they'd have for access to. I guess, yeah, I guess they wouldn't. Well, actually, yeah. Ben, that is a very good question. Are they tying GPS data in with the Siri query? Because that's the other thing. Yeah, I, I yeah. If they're so, doing that, then it's game over, whatever network you're using. Yeah, and I, yeah. I mean, I guess they probably are because they have all that information available. Yeah. And it would be of use to them as well. Yeah, of course. You know, if they see a, in a certain location there's lots of these types of requests that are either aren't being answered or aren't working or or whatnot or need to be refined. Yeah, uh, you know, and you'd assume that people at IBM are smart enough to go, oh, well, if I can't use Siri and I really want to at work, all I need to do is switch to 3G. So you've potentially got all these people that are getting around this requirement anyway. Interesting. Wow, well, that's a big, huge, that's big a huge war big... between IBM and Apple. <laughs> yeah, well, which is interesting because they worked together, didn't they, on the uh, our PC chips? They were in bed together for a while. Now, I understand in the US, they're looking at or they're considering, I should say, this may not go through, but they're considering allowing the cracking of DVD encryption algorithms. 
Now, only for certain things. No, they're not letting you do that to pirate DVDs. That's still illegal. But in the cases where there's fair use. Now, as you know, Ben, in the US, there's a fair use provision for the content. And provided you fit the, the categories, provided the criteria is, is right, you can use parts of musical parts of movies and other works. Where the disconnect is, is that under the DMCA, you're not allowed to crack, if you like, or get around or reverse engineer or undo the DVD encryption. So whilst you're allowed to use this content for fair use, you're not allowed to get it by cracking the DVD encryption. And if the DVD is the only place where where you've got this, at least legally, then you can't use it. And so what they're looking at doing is opening it up to allow you to get around, if you have the know-how and have the tools, they're considering letting people get around the DVD encryption. Common sense or slippery slope? What do you what do you say? Well, it's common sense, really. I mean, the the anecdotal stories we heard when the first Blu-ray uh, Blu-ray decryption was um, was cracked was someone had brought a Blu-ray player for his Windows Seven computer, had bought a Blu-ray disc, put it in to play it, and because of you know disagreements between Windows 7 and licensing and Blu-ray, he couldn't play it because it was in breach of copyright or whatever, even though every single element involved was legitimate and legal. And the, the anecdotal story was he was the first person to, to crack the Blu-ray. Whether or not it's true or not, I mean, the story holds, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And and as you say, I think really that what this is about you know, the, um, is, is common sense, really. I mean, if you're allowed to use the content you know, for that criteria, well, let's let people, you know, let's not prosecute them, if you like, or incriminate them for cracking the DVD encryption if they're allowed to use the content. But then again, we are dealing with the MPAA. This is the organisation who, you know, ratings are not mandatory, but if you want to get your movie shown in a cinema, you have to have a rating, but it's not mandatory. (laughs) So you can either cut out your whole distribution network or you can get it rated, but it's not mandatory. Yeah, I know. That's. I mean, I know, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's Hobson's choice, really, isn't yeah. it? I mean, because if you're not going to screen it in, in the cinema, where's it going to go? Um, as you said. So, you know, guess, though, who is opposing this proposal? Yeah, the industry. Yeah. The, the uh, movie industry, they're opposing this. They're saying, no, 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 we, we don't want you to get around DVD encryption. Don't allow it is what they're saying. So it's currently being, uh, it's currently, as I understand, it's currently being considered in the US. As I say, this may not go through, but it's interesting that it's something that's on the table. So that's that. The story I wanted to talk about next was Facebook shares. Oh, Ben, is this a surprise or not? But they've, you know, they're currently 11% below the initial offering. I'm surprised that they're worth anything in the first place. So. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I mean, yeah. Well, but like, the, co- the company has a value, surely. It's got a value, well, right? What, what do they produce? Well, there's advertising. <laughs> they produce <laughs> advertising. Well, I, just, I mean, that's the revenue, right? At least for now. So that's some of the yeah. revenue. Is, is, I mean, I so that, that's, that's got to be worth something. If it's, if I it's, yeah, I don't, I don't understand how they are worth like billions of dollars. Yeah, look, you know, some analysts have said it's overvalued and quite how much they're worth is, well, I think it's one of these, uh, you know, it's not a science as to, you know, what a company's worth. You know, you ask five different values what a company's worth and you'll get six different answers. But, yeah. you know, but having said that, what's interesting though is that whatever people felt it was worth at the time of the IPO, 
uh, it's now currently 11% below that. So I, I don't know, people, well, the one, th- the, I guess the worrying thing is that that's going to taint the, the Facebook brand, if you like, into, you know, in terms of share trading. Is it going to devalue its, uh, its worth by, you know, people always remember it as, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not doing so well, the shares are dropping, and I don't know, be interesting to see where it's, it goes. I mean, it's not surprising though, is it? Because, the, you know, okay, you look at a normal item, you point at its value, and the value is, you know, its actual tangible benefits, or, you know, you look at a, a bowl of rice, the real value of that is that it feeds you for a meal. You look at Facebook, and the tangible value is, like what you said, is what people perceive that value to be. So if the, if the value of the item is the perception of the item, and the perception of the item is changing, the value of the item is changing, and there is no consistent baseline value that you can point to. Absolutely. So Absolutely. if people go, actually, if enough people go, oh, no, Facebook's not worth anything, it's not worth anything. Yeah, absolutely. You are absolutely right. Like if everyone right. stops yeah. going to it, it yeah. has no value. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, you've nailed it. Anything's value really is what people are prepared to pay for it. And yeah. as you say, if no one, if people are only prepared to pay $1 for Facebook shares, suddenly the value of Facebook drops dramatically. Mm. And yeah, it's it's quite scary really how, how all that works, but be interesting to see where it goes. Now, the other thing that I, I think we're going to talk about um, a week or two ago, which we didn't cover, was Microsoft opening up social, SO.CL, their search result sharing network. They're calling it an experiment. They're not trying to rival Facebook, or so they say. They had a very low-key opening to it. Before recently, it was only available at certain tertiary education institutions, universities and so on. <laughs> So, so their marketing guy saw the Facebook movie. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That's what it sounds like. I, I read that and I thought, yeah, okay, that's exactly what how, how they, uh, the social network uh, movie was. And have they perhaps hired the old CEO of Bebo, maybe, or or some other dead site? Yeah, well, the, MySpace or something. Yeah. <laughs> that could explain a lot. Uh, yeah, look... <laughs> I don't quite know what where they're going to go with this, but the way they say it is that it's not designed to rival Facebook. It's an experiment designed to be a layer on existing social networks. Ah, so it's, it's to rival Google Circles or Plus or whatever that thing is. Yeah, in fact, it's quite in contrast to that. In fact, Microsoft has, has actually said that they're doing the opposite approach of Google, which entered the social networking all guns blazing uh, with a full-on service, and as a result is having only modest success. So yeah, you're, you're quite right. It's quite the opposite of Facebook, uh, of uh, Google's launch. Do you know what? I'm getting mixed up with these companies now. They're all doing the same things, you know? You know, Facebook, yeah. Microsoft, yeah. Google, they're all doing the same. They've all got social networks and searches and... Well, I mean, you look if you look at what happened, you know, like Microsoft, the big behemoth, is sitting in the market. Google creates a search engine that's very, very good. So Microsoft has to create some version of the search engine that's to right. them yeah. in the market that they feel threatened in. Facebook come along, and you know, Google came along reasonably slowly. I mean, very quick as far as business, but reasonably slowly as far as the IT industry, where things move pretty quick. So they had a you know maybe five six year lead in before they became. Google that we know. Facebook's the same. They sort of come in slowly. Five or six years they build up and then now you know, now they're the Facebook and they have to compete with everyone. So Microsoft's going, Oh, well now we've got to compete with Facebook as well because they're looking big and competitive, so we'll start doing that. So now you've got the three of them competing on all the same levels. 
what's going to happen is someone is going to come along in a new industry that we haven't really thought of, and they're going to become big in that, and then these three are going to start attacking them as well. And it's just going to keep happening, and they're going to die off, and it's just it's a vicious little cycle. You know what? The, the one good thing about that vicious cycle is that, in, in theory at least, we should get some good innovation because there's going to be pressure to bring something useful and catchy and new out. And, and yeah, I mean, and potentially it's already out there. Like, you know, because we'll have had a few years leading in and it's, if it's going to hit soon, it's probably already been available for yeah. a couple of years. Well, you, yeah, that's you a know, point. Could be like a Spotify type thing or, uh, you know, who knows? Mm, actually, yeah. that could be a story. Did you know that Spotify's launched in New Zealand this last week? Actually, I you think... Know, you know, you know what Spotify. we 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 covered that uh, a while ago that it was going to when they announced it, and yeah, though, and that's a good point. We should we should mention that it's actually officially launched in New Zealand, right? Yeah, it's actually available now, so that's going to change all sorts of things. No VPNs needed. No, no, you can actually <laughs> legally get it. Yeah, is that something for you? Yes, definitely. Right. Yeah. Look, you know, it, my impression having to having talked to people about this is that there are by and large two camps. One camp, and this is where I sit in, where I just want to buy a tune for a set price, like a dollar seventy nine or whatever it is, and buy it and own it, or at least own it, own a, the right to play it forever. And then there are other people that, like yourself, who who prefer subscription services where you pay a monthly fee, but you can have all. You know, there's all. It's an all you can eat plan. Well, I think you have to have a third camp where you're in both, where you have the subscription service to be exposed to a wide range of things, and you have the paid service to actually own something physically for a while. But I mean, I'd even say the one ninety nine thing, uh, if you buy it through iTunes, how long do you actually own that for? Well, it's, well in theory, it's forever. In theory, but you know, what does the DRM say? Well, there's no if DRM. Change... No, there's no DRM anymore, so... Mm, I mean, if, you're, if your file gone. gets deleted, where's where's the ownership of that? Well, it's yeah. an interesting one. I mean, you're right. Fundamentally, these are questions that that are worth asking. You're absolutely right. With no DRM, how uh, if you as long as you still have your data, I don't know. If there's anything that that Apple can do to to remove I that. But... Apple could withdraw songs from your account. I don't believe they can. I thought if they if they lost the licensing on a particular song, they had to be able to withdraw that from your account. That's what I thought. If you if it was yeah, that was my understanding. I may be wrong. Well, that, that's definitely worth looking into. I I didn't I wasn't aware of that. If if it's the case, I'm certainly not aware of it. But yeah, I don't know all these things. I mean, you know, what's the you know nothing's certain in the internet world, as you know, right? So you know things can change, and that that's the thing. How how far ahead do we want to guarantee do we want to guarantee uh, products and services and solutions mm. that's a very good question now on this show for a, a while now we've been sort of tracking the progress on this solar powered plane that was built in Switzerland and we've kind of you know we've had two or three sort of uh, updates on the story as as they happen now just this week uh, the latest update on that is that the solar powered plane uh, took off from Switzerland on its first transcontinental flight. It uh, it was heading to North Africa, and that's where it's landed. Because I think what they're doing is they're working up to a around the world flight. So uh, you know the a non-stop around the world flight. And the the challenging thing there for a solar powered plane, as you can probably guess, Ben, is that during the night you don't have you don't have the sun to power. So you know they've got to have really efficient engines and a good battery bank so you can store what you need. And that's really the, the engineering challenge. 
So I don't know. This is good news. It's it's now completed a Switzerland to North Africa journey, all on the power of the sun. Yeah, I can imagine it's going to help the whole solar industry and battery industry if they're doing it in a plane. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, you know, it's not the you know, people have to realise also there are a lot of naysayers out there, and you know you have to realise this isn't going. It's not like tomorrow we're going to all switch to solar powered planes. This isn't the fastest plane. It's not the biggest plane. It's uh, you know, it's certainly not, not the most useful plane, if you like. But it's a concept, and it's a concept that's being proved bit by bit. And I really think this is really good and really progressive. I'm, it's really exciting, actually. Well, I mean, there's a difference between oh, someone jumped in a car and was driving along solar power, wicked. He, you know, he goes in the shade, car stops, whoop de doo This is a dude that's jumping into a plane up in the air. He's proven that this technology works, otherwise he'd be dead by now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty impressive. It is. Right. Well, that is episode 168 of The Boys of Tech. Good show. I'm yeah, excited about this. I'm really excited about this countdown app. That's going to make shopping far more interesting. There was a, I mean, there was a lot of things in there that I've wanted for a while and some things I hadn't even thought about that just sound awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, and you know what? I, for me, the biggest thing is the, the smarts about the whole barcode scanning. Here's, here's my empty spaghetti packet. Oh, before I throw it in the bin, let's scan it. Done. It's on my list. Throw it in the bin. That's funny. That's the thing that caught me as well that I really impressed yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I need to get myself a, a smartphone first and then I can go get the app. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Ben, I think we'll wrap up episode 168. Thank you very much for co-hosting the show with me. Cheers, it was good. It was good fun indeed. All right, and thanks to all our listeners. We hope to catch you again next week for more of the Boys of Tech. Until then, take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.